Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Free Solo Podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Jonathan Javier. Jonathan is the CEO and founder of Wound Salting, a company whose mission is to turn underdogs into winners. Jonathan considered himself an underdog when applying to jobs from a non-target school. However, instead of letting this defeat him, he rose to the occasion and made opportunities for himself through the power of networking. Jonathan is a hustler, a go-getter, and an underdog champion himself. This was a very insightful episode, and I hope that you enjoy. Hey, Jonathan, super excited to have you on the show today. How you doing? Man, I am doing well. I'm here in San Jose, and it is hot, to say the least. 100 degrees today. I am sweating right now, even though y'all can't see it, but I am. <laughs> 100 degrees in San Jose. It's 80 degrees in New Hampshire, which I think it only gets up to 80 degrees in New Hampshire three, four times a year. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a steamy one. Damn. I th- yeah, no, I'm super excited to be speaking with you today and let's get it going. <laughs> yes, sir. So first of all, how has everything been treating you? COVID, pandemic, staying inside. Um, I know California has been pretty strict on all guidelines. So how's that been? How's that been hitting you? It's been crazy to say the least. Like, man, I've just been at home, just sitting on my couch or my chair right now and just been talking to people virtually, networking, but then of course with Juan Solting, which I'll talk about later, we've had a lot of different events. Like this week, like today is May 26, but this week we have about eight events, which is literally insane. So been busy, but I always call it being productive. Um, but yeah, I mean, just doing our best to help others and keep it going as I love to say. Absolutely. So have you been busier or has, has, your your workload ramped up with everyone being inside and being online more or has it been pretty consistent dude it's been crazy actually like i have had more work but i don't see work as work for one salting especially i just see it as passion so people are always like man like jonathan you're awake at 2 a.m responding to messages and on linkedin like what the heck do you even sleep right. and i tell them no i don't no i'm kidding but i do uh, <laughs> but yeah basically like um yeah there's just been a lot of things going on so i've been trying to catch up to a lot of them and i'm thankful that i have like an amazing team because i not i don't do the social media anymore we have an intern for that and then we have our speaker series coming up which one of our uh interns manages to as well so yeah i mean work has been times five compared to before covid (laughs) awesome well i'm glad to hear that things are ramping up for you you're definitely doing some exciting stuff um with that could you just kind of dive into who you are what you're doing, give us a little background into some of the awesome stuff that you're working on. Yeah, so uh, I'm Jonathan Javier. I currently work at Cisco in go-to-market strategy and operations, and I previously worked at Snapchat and Google. And I came to to these companies from UC Riverside, which was a non-target school. And I still remember having that non-target, non-traditional background. And I always felt like I could never get into these companies. But I never applied to any of them. And I just used LinkedIn to get into each one. And that's how actually Juan Sulting came about, which I've been transitioning to doing full time, uh, which it's a career consulting company, which mission is to turn underdogs into winners. So helping those who come from non-target schools, non-traditional backgrounds, and then help them get into their dream careers. So, so far we've done over 95 workshops in the past year and a half. We're gonna complete our hundredth one this week, which I'm super excited for. I actually have my TEDx talk tomorrow, which is insane. Crazy part, those three jobs, Juan Solting and that TEDx talk, I got all through LinkedIn. So 
LinkedIn is the way to go. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to dive into it in regards to how I've utilized it, especially during this podcast. For sure, man. I think one thing that you hit on a little bit there, that is like the whole driving point of you and your brand. It's just that underdog mentality um, coming from what people would say a non-target school. So it's not the Ivy League schools. It's not Stanford. It's not Berkeley or any of those elite schools um, with that being in parentheses. But you came out guns firing, full of energy, full of fire, and have created a lot of these opportunities for yourself. Um, really, like you said, networking on LinkedIn, getting your foot in the door. Um, but it wasn't always that way for you. You had your share of getting rejected from places. How have you, I guess, kind of talk us through what that rejection was like in that process and then how you use that to propel yourself forward and really use that to your advantage? Yeah. So, man, I was getting rejected so much. Not on Tinder, guys. On applications. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. No, I'm kidding. But basically, yeah. So, I remember applying to hundreds of jobs when I was a student and I was sending in these applications and I was like, all right, like I'm not receiving responses by any of them, by any of them. And I thought that it was because of my background when in fact it was because my application was never being looked at. So I had decided to do a different approach. And what I did was instead of simply sending in applications, I would try to get referrals as much as I can. And by doing that, I just used LinkedIn. So I'd reach out to people. I would reach out to like 50 people a day, like no cap, 50 people a day. Damn. And I would receive responses from like 10% of them, which is okay. But I always knew that if at least one person responded, that one person could lead to my career and getting my foot in the door. And that's what happened. Actually, that's how I got my first job at Snapchat. Slid the DMs of a recruiter, was like, hey, could you help me? Right. And at first, like, she didn't respond. And then I was just like, all right, I'm going to do it again. Send her another message. She responded. And so that's how I actually got into my career from going from those rejections because I utilized those rejections as motivation to get into my career. A lot of people use those rejections as unmotivating and thinking that they're good enough when, in fact, they are. You just have to get over that mindset aspect and get stronger and grow your skills. So yeah, I mean, I utilize those rejections to get into my career and I'm so happy to help thousands of people now uh, do the same. Yeah. And what do you think it was inside of you that made it so you didn't have those rejections unmotivate you, but instead steer you in the right direction? Because I think we've all been there at a point where we didn't get a job we wanted. We didn't get into the school that we wanted to get into and it just kind of shut us down. So how were you able to flip that switch is it just who you are? Is it part of just kind of what, how you're wired or what was that kind of looking like? Yeah, honestly, to get over that hump was basically the mindset, the mindset and the people that I was hanging out with. Reason being is because when I was a senior in college, I hung out with people who were really successful, I believe, because they were getting into the Deloitte's, the Goldman Sachs of the world coming from my school, UC Riverside, which wasn't seen as a target school for those companies, but my friends were getting into, into it. And so, yeah, for me, that motivated me because when I wasn't able to get into those companies, I was like, okay, like I need to be just like them or I need to bring it up a notch as like friendly competition. And so that's when I started thinking outside the box. This is why I tell everybody, think in ways where you can network with people that nobody else does. 
Because if you are simply just applying to a role, if you're simply just sending a message saying, hey, I love the chat, it sometimes won't work. And so that's how I changed that mindset and how I changed the game was basically, one of the ideas I had was make projects and share it with these professionals and tell them, hey, I'm trying to bridge the gap between UC Riverside and your company, I'd love to chat. Do you think someone would respond from saying, hey, let's chat versus, hey, I want you to give back and I'm giving you an opportunity to. So that's how I was able to network with so many people and was able to be motivated to get into my career. And so what did you kind of hinted on it a little bit there, but what did a lot of those messages look like? Because you said a lot of people didn't respond. What were you noticing was really the the kind of key element to the successful messages saying, Hey, I'm Jonathan. Uh, I would love to set up this conversation, but even with that project piece, what types of people were responding the most and where were you getting the most success? Yeah. So if you want responses to your personal invites, you have to reach out to people who share a commonality with you, meaning your university is very, is very important. And so when I was reaching out to people, I was reaching out to people who were alumni of my school because we're both Highlanders in this case. And if you're able to do that, they are more willing to help you because they understand the struggle of you getting to your career, especially from a non-target school. So that's what I did. I would actually go to the alumni tool on LinkedIn, which a lot of people don't know about. If you know, if you don't know about the alumni tool, check out our TikTok. I've literally been, I, I actually just posted one yesterday for the, the first TikTok time. The TikTok has been uh, blowing up. Right, <laughs> the TikToks are blowing up, right? So do that because they are more willing to help you. If you reach out to someone randomly, let's say I reach out to someone from, I don't know, from Harvard, like they're probably not gonna respond because we don't share anything in common. Right. But if you reach out to someone who's in Highlander who works at, let's say Google, and you wanna work at Google, they're going to understand and be like, Hey, like I'd love to chat. And if they don't respond, you move on. It's that simple because there's thousands of other professionals who are willing to help you in your career. Yeah. So how we're kind of building off of that. How have you leveraged the mutual connections and turn those? Cause a lot of people often hear networking and they think going to these cocktail hours, going to your school career fairs, whatever it is, exchanging business cards, saying hello, and then leaving it at that. But that obviously is not going to build that long-term meaningful relationship that's actually going to lead to a potential career internship down the line. So how have you taken that initial reach out where you're saying, hey, I'm Jonathan, maybe this is a project I've been working on or trying to bridge that gap. And then you have that 15, 20-minute phone call. What's the next step from there? What do you typically do to make that not just a one-time thing, but really kind of take that to the next level so that you can leverage that in the future? Yeah, the most important part. Actually, the call isn't the most important part. People think it is. What's the follow-up? The reason being is because nobody follows up. People will tell me all the time, I've had thousands of chats and people are like, yeah, I'll follow up with you. Never do. Following up means you update them every three months or two months in regards to what you're doing in your career. I've actually done this for the past four years. I've stayed in touch with over 500 professionals and I send them an email saying what I've been up to for the past four, past four years, basically. The reason why this is important is because, number one, no one does it. Number two, if you keep in touch with them, that person will remember who you are. Number three, if you ever come across a position that you are specifically interested in, imagine you just reaching out to them and be like, hey, like I know we've stayed in touch for X amount of months. I'm really interested in this role now. Could I possibly get help from you? they will be more willing to help you in your career. So yeah, if you're trying to follow up, 
actually do it. You can do this by literally making an Excel sheet, putting all your professionals in there. This should honestly take about an hour to do. But people will be like, I'm too busy. Well, stop watching Netflix. Stop watching Avatar, like me. No, I'm kidding. But anyways, but yeah, basically allocate time to, towards things that need time and you'll be able to get into your career. Yeah, Avatar is all the rage right now that it jumped onto Netflix. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I've been watching it and man, my roommate's gotten me hooked. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's good stuff. I got to dive into it. Um, but kind of just coming back to that and does every follow-up, does every email have to be different or can you send the same thing to the 500 different people and have, have the same effect or do you personalize them? Do you make them kind of tailored for specific roles um, just to make sure you're really getting the most out of each email? Yeah, so in, in your follow-up, you should always have a call to action, meaning you shouldn't just send a follow-up just being like, hey, like, I hope you're well, that's it. You should always have a call to action, meaning you should have a question at the end of your email or your LinkedIn message. So what I'll do is I'll send a simple template and I'll put in the beginning, I'll be like, hey, Jonathan, it was great connecting and then I'll put how many months ago. This is why it's important to put the dates on your Excel sheet because you'll remember when you connected with them last. Then you send them an update of what you've been up to for the past quarter. And then your last part, you put a question. You basically put a question in regards to A, something you found on their LinkedIn. Number two, something you remembered from your previous conversation. And then number three, just ask about family or what they've been up to. Yep. If you do one of those three things, you will continue the conversation because if you don't put a question, they can just ignore you and then you'll never know. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but with not everybody doing it, you can really get your leg, get a leg up and kind of get your foot in the door doing that. And then another piece that I saw you put out just recently, I think it was actually on the TikTok, was about preparation and how you used to prepare for interviews. Um, kind of writing down every single possible question that they could ask you and then practicing answering them and then having them, what do you say it was around your computer or around you somehow when you, so you could yeah. look at them and almost use them as a cheat sheet. Um, how do you think this, this preparation and just maybe it took you an hour, maybe it took you two hours, but differentiated you in an interview, whereas someone else might not be putting in that legwork. Yeah, that's a great question. You have to put in the work for your interviews preparing. You can't simply just wing it. The reason why I say this is because I would actually put a lot of hours into interviewing and preparing. The reason being is because I knew if I took 20 hours in a week to prepare for one interview, that could lead to a career for five years, 20 hours versus five years. What would I rather have? Obviously the five years, right? right. And so when I was preparing, I would make, man, I would make 20 page documents of potential questions that they would ask. I literally recited to myself in the shower or when I was driving because I was just thinking about, all right, like if I'm able to ace these questions, then I'm going to be able to get into my career. And so one of the most important aspects of interviewing actually is breaking the ice in the beginning. I think that's the most important part because a lot of people get nervous during For interviews, sure. right? So how you can break the ice during your interview, it's so simple. So all you have to do is in the beginning of your interview, when someone asks, the interviewer asks, hey, how are you? You say, I'm good. I just did X, Y, Z before this. And then bam, you start a conversation. 
So for example, if someone said to me, hey, Jonathan, how's it going? I'd be like, oh, I'm doing extremely well. You know, I actually just got these glasses uh, from Amazon and they sent me the wrong color. I actually wanted black, but they gave me white and purple. The other person will be like, wow, like tell me more. Or they'll just be like, oh man, like let me see the purple ones. You have just broken the ice simply by that because most people will just be like, I'm good. How about you? Right. If you're able to do that beginning part, your interviews will go more easier and it will be less nerve wracking. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think, again, going back to how simple a lot of these simple and actionable, a lot of these, these tips and tricks are, but the fact that it's just in the moment, you also have to remind yourself to get it done and to go do it. Um, which I think is huge. And it's also, again, that extra hour to set up that Excel sheet, that 30 seconds at the beginning of the interview where you turn it into a conversation could set you up for the five-year career, which you, you never know. Mm-hmm. And one thing I kind of exactly. want to ask you about is a lot of the advice that you give and the tips, the tricks, the insights, all of the content that you put out is really centered around landing jobs and getting a career. And you've definitely gone through a lot of those interviews, felt that rejection, landed those jobs later on, but then kind of made a pivot to entrepreneurship. So very different kind of sides of the coin where in one, you are trying to be interviewed and ask questions, but then on the other side, you're the boss now. Mm -hmm. So you're the one asking those questions on the other side of the table, making sure you have the right team around you. How do you think that all of your preparation and lessons learned from being the interviewee and trying to land those jobs has helped to build the, the team over with what you're doing? That's a great question. So quick backstory. So people always ask me, Jonathan, why have you worked in three companies in three years? The reason being is think about this. If you were to open up your own, let's just say sushi restaurant, how would you know about how to manage it? You'd work as a sushi worker first. Right. Same thing for me. The reason how Juan Solting is so successful is because I worked in all three companies because I learned their internal processes of how they are extremely successful, how they interview, and how they basically take care of their employees through their communities. And so by taking those different things, I implemented it into Juan Solting. So now that's why you see a lot of people having the success stories on LinkedIn and they're like, Jonathan, like you gave me the best advice for my interviews. I was able to ace them. It's because I know how they interview because I've been through the interview process. I've worked there and I take interviews. Honestly, sometimes I just do interviews for no reason, just to learn more about how they recruit. So I know that I'm still up in my, still on my feet and knowing about basically the processes. So yeah, I mean, everything has been, you know, a process. A lot of people think that like, oh, I'm just going to make my own company. I'm going to be successful tomorrow. No, honestly, it takes time. Like for me, it took three years, two years of preparation. And then this year, and it's been growing ever since. So yeah, if you're trying to start your own business, like it doesn't just happen overnight. You got to make sure you put the work in and don't rush it. Yeah, definitely. And with Juan Salting, I guess kind of taking a step back for those who, who don't know what it is and what you guys do which I'm not sure how you would because you are absolutely everywhere on LinkedIn. <laughs> it seems like everything's being shared, liked on, commented on. Um, what is it that you guys are doing and what's kind of your, your driving mission? Yeah, so our mission is to turn underdogs into winners. So basically bridging that gap between the non-target schools and the non-traditional background students and professionals 
and then helping them get into their dream careers. And yeah, so far we've helped tens of thousands of people. And the thing is like, it's much easier than you think. Like the things that I put on LinkedIn are so simple and I feel like they're common sense. It's just the thing is people aren't informed about it. Like today, I put made a post today and I was like, because people always ask me, Jonathan, how do I get a referral? The answer to that question is you literally just ask for a referral, but in a non-subtle way. And right. people don't know that. People, are, especially when coming from their background, they're going to be like, oh no, I'm scared to ask for one. But the worst thing that can happen is they literally say no, which I don't know why they would say no, because you're, if they're hopping on the phone for 30 minutes out of their day to speak with you, I mean, that means they want to help you. Right. The best thing that can happen is they say yes, and you get a referral. So yeah, I mean, we just try to give the most simplest yet most effective advice. And it's crazy because that's why everyone makes posts about it because you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know this. And they're basically mind blown. And they're like, I want to share it with the world. And I hope we can continue impacting the world just as we have for many students and professionals. Absolutely. And then in terms of the content that you're putting out, which is almost all the time, it doesn't seem like there's a gap, which is awesome. Mm. And you said you're no longer running the social media on your own, but where does a lot of that inspiration come from for the content and to keep it always fresh and new and making sure you're not repeating yourself and putting out the same content? How do you always diversify and kind of switch it up? Good question. So honestly, to make my content, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. It's so quick and sporadic. I will literally think of it, type it all down, and then just post it. The reason being is because that is the best content, I believe. Like, I know people have like a cadence in regards to, okay, I made this post, I'm gonna post it next week. Honestly, if I think of about thousands of strategies for LinkedIn, like if one strategy doesn't work, I know of another strategy. And how the inspiration comes from is I literally use it all the time for different people, and I've used it in my past experiences. Like for example, with the glasses that I just bought, I bought these purple ones by accident, which I actually did. But then I made a, made a LinkedIn post about it because I started my conversations with those purple glasses and it actually worked. Right. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go share it on my LinkedIn. So yeah, my, my LinkedIn content just comes randomly and sporadically. And I try not to repeat different things, but if I repeat it, it's in a different way. So for example, like maybe asking for a referral, maybe there's two ways to ask for one. I try to make things very different because I don't want to repeat every, what everybody's doing. And that's why my content is very unique because I don't copy anyone. I don't be like, okay, I'm going to go take Jerry's post. I'm really going to put it as my own and not give right. credit, for example. Right. So it's just all, I honestly just come up with it on the spot. <laughs> awesome. And going back to the glasses story for everybody listening that doesn't know what he's referring to. Can you tell us a little bit, you ordered, was, you ordered a pair of glasses, got sent the wrong ones and then have used the pink ones as like this week's content. And it's been awesome. Right. So, yeah. So basically like what happened was I bought these purple glasses right here. Right. And they gave me the wrong ones, which are obviously purple. So Amazon sent me purple glasses instead of black glasses and white glasses. And so every time when I've had a conversation, when they say, Jonathan, how are you? I literally take out the glasses and it'd be like, I'm doing well, but they sent me the wrong Amazon sent me the wrong purple glasses. I wanted white. And then it breaks the ice. Literally, that just breaks the ice. And so, yeah, I mean, I literally had amazing conversations this whole week because I've just been doing that consistently. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I do want to kind of segue a little bit, I think, into more kind of who you are and just where you get your ambition. One thing I saw that you posted was around kind of the end of college time, everyone was asking you, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going to work? 
Um, and it, I'm sure that's, it's a common question, whether you're graduating high school, you're graduating college, Hey, what's that next step? And you weren't sure at the time, which must've been pretty unsettling, uh, a little nerve wracking where all of your friends, like you were saying, were kind of landing these, these top jobs, but you had a very unique answer, which was like, I don't know what I'll be doing, but I know I'll be making a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. What do you think that, and then fast forward to now, which is exactly what you're doing. Why was it that you were so focused on making a difference? Is that kind of something that's just in you? Did you always know you wanted to help others? And why was that your answer to that question? That's a great question. So yeah, I've always wanted to make a difference in the world because what happened was when I was at UC Riverside, I wasn't taught the things that I now know today. And so when I remember when I was yeah about to graduate and they sent me that form and it said, what will you be doing after graduation? I literally put make a difference in the world. And that was kind of my motto because I put that because I thought that I could actually do it. And I was like, okay, if I put this down on this form, maybe later on when I look at it, I'll be like, wow, this is going to be an amazing story to tell. Right. And so, yeah, basically like it's just been amazing so far. It's literally been a process for the past three years. And yeah, when I was graduating, like I didn't really have a job lined up. I had some interviews but there were all companies specifically in like Arizona, no offense to Arizona, but I didn't want to move there. Uh, <laughs> and then I also got, I was privileged to get an offer actually from the alpha convention for JP Morgan, but it was going to be in Delaware, which is the other side of the world. So I really didn't want to do it. Uh, but yeah, for those who are graduating right now without a job, don't be worried because for me, I got my job at the end of the summer but you have to put the work in. You can't just be sitting on your ass, watching Netflix, watching Tiger King, and just expecting for someone to reach out to you. Right. You got to use LinkedIn. So what would that be advice be for now? How can they act, go and start today? They listen to this episode and they go start investing in themselves right now. How can they go do that so that come whenever we return to a sense of normalcy and people start hiring again, how can they be the first ones on any recruiters list? Yeah, you got to be networking right now and you got to be reaching out to people. The reason why you got to reach out to people is like I said before, people are on their couches, sitting at home, watching TV and want to give back. The thing is you have to give them the opportunity to give back. And so, yeah, if I were a student right now and I didn't have a job lined up, I'd be sliding in DMs every day on LinkedIn, of course, obviously. Right. But like, yeah, I'd be sending out these different messages. I'd be inquiring about their career story rather than a job because I know for a fact that jobs are frozen right now. Some of them are. So I'd be establishing a relationship right now during COVID-19 because then imagine you establishing that relationship and then later on a few months down the road when hopefully COVID-19 is over, that person will remember who you are and will refer you to a role. That's why it's important to do it now. Because people are going to be like, okay, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to blame society for not having jobs, et cetera, and then just go do whatever. Like, you have to go reach out. It's okay if people don't respond. You just move on. That's life, right? Right. So. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that even though things are a little different right now and may seem challenging, every challenge creates an opportunity. So how can you really take advantage of this opportunity to go network and to go just meet new people and learn different stories. Um, so I think that's huge. And it does take a little, 
motivation, intrinsic motivation to go do that because it is easy to sit down, watch Netflix, watch Hulu for a couple hours. And it's funny because Tiger King has now, I think, been mentioned in like the last three or four episodes. Um, so thank you for keeping that, <laughs> that trend going. Hey, I watched, I watched the other podcast. I was like, all right, Tiger King times four. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Um, another cool one of your stories is surrounding your TEDx talk and how you actually, I'll let you kind of walk us through that story um, of initially reaching out and then kind of where you are today. Yeah. So for my TEDx talk, it was so interesting. So what happened was I was suggested to go apply to it in October of last year. And so I applied and I was like, okay, like, let's see what happens. And they rejected my submission. So I was like, okay, like that's totally fine. Um, Cause like before I would actually wanted to do some TEDx talks, but I wanted to do my first one at UC Riverside. Cause I think that would just be an amazing story. Um, so when I got rejected from it, I wasn't super bummed about it. But I was in my head, I was like, okay, like, that's interesting. Like I came from UC Riverside and I thought that I could, I, that I would be the person that would love to speak to inspire the students. So what I did instead was I started creating these LinkedIn content, which I've been doing for the past two years, but my LinkedIn branding started to come up. And a lot of UC Riverside people now know me because of LinkedIn. Um, and just being that person who was able to get into these top companies. And so that's when, TEDxUCR then reached out back to me and said, hey, we got referrals from a ton of students and we'd love for you to come speak. The crazy part about this is that it literally follows my principle of don't apply, get referred. And <laughs> I, right? Because I literally, right. I did apply in the beginning, but like I basically got referred. So yeah, if you use LinkedIn, you can not only use it to network with people and find opportunities, but you can use it to get in TEDx talks maybe. <laughs> So what's the topic going to be? And you said you're doing it tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm doing it tomorrow. I guess tomorrow is May 27th, depending on when people listen to this. And Right. Yeah, it's going to be on. So at first, we were supposed to do it in person. It was called Veritas. I think that means living life. I'm not 100% sure. I totally forgot. But um, yeah, it's going to be about uh, combating COVID-19. So what we've been doing and what advice and suggestions that we would have uh, to combat it. So I'm actually the last speaker. I'm the third speaker. So I speak at around 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and then there's two people from Stanford actually speaking before me. So um, I'm going to bring it home, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't, I can't wait to hear that. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, any advice that you seem to be putting out right now seems to hit home and really resonate. So I can't wait for that. And then I think kind of the, the last thing I want to get into, which really tells a lot about you and just your hustle and your drive is actually it was a, a post i saw on instagram about your fitness journey and how you've just been <laughs> an absolute beast in the gym um so it's not just online but then also um out here getting those gains and really kind of revolutionizing yourself that way so do you sleep you said you sleep but it seems like you're always working <laughs> yeah that's a good question so um yeah i mean i'm always working but the energy that i get is literally from helping people. So yeah, my fitness journey was interesting. I was actually super, um, I wasn't myself when I was working in corporate at some of the companies from before Cisco. Um, so I was actually eating like five course meals all the time. And I was like, wow, like I'm getting kind of fat. Like I literally gained like 20 pounds. But then I did intermittent fasting. I got my mindset straight. I was able to, you know, not get distracted. 
And then I had one salting, which basically I loved doing. And so the work that I did, I loved doing. And that translated to my fitness journey too, as well. I was actually crazy. I literally would not eat until like 12 PM. I do intermittent fasting. Right. And then I'd work out in the morning too. So I'd work out in the morning, wouldn't eat till 12. Then I go eat. Then I play basketball after work. And that's how I lost like 35 pounds. But I think that fitness journey did contribute to who I am as a person mentally, physically, but personally, especially with my relationships and with one salting. I think that was an integral factor of it kind of scaling and growing because of those aspects. And I feel like, yeah, if you have a healthy life, you'll have a healthy company too. Damn. That's a great line right there at the end. Healthy life, healthy company. And for those, I guess a lot of times I hear, um, and I, I definitely say it myself too, is just, Oh, I, I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to work out. Um, what would you say to that to, and it doesn't have to be working out. Just, it could be a, a side hobby, a passion of yours that you want to pursue. Maybe it's learning an instrument, but setting aside time to go pursue those side activities um, and kind of the benefits of that. How would you, and how have you gone about making time for the, the necessity, necessary things you need to do? Yeah. So if anybody ever says they don't have time, they're just lying. The reason being is you, if things matter to you, you will make time for it. For example, I'm just gonna put a random example. So let's say you want to learn an instrument. Let's say you want to learn a guitar and you want to learn 30 minutes a day, but you say you don't have time. Think about it. How long do you take to take, to take a shower? 15 minutes. What happens if you cut it to 13 minutes? That's minus two minutes. Allocate the two minutes to playing guitar. Let's say you watch TV, Netflix. Let's say you watch two episodes of Tiger King, which are 30 minutes each. You cut off one of the episodes, that's 30 minutes, you allocate it to playing guitar. Last but not least, let's say that you spend time watching YouTube videos. Maybe you spend 15 minutes doing that, cut it down by five minutes or three minutes, let's say. Allocate that time to playing guitar. You have just allocated 45 minutes to learning guitar, which is the instrument. Now you have time. That's the reason why I tell people you do have time. You just have to make it. You just have to allocate time in the correct way. And you have to prioritize things that need time. Don't use time just to waste it. I see a lot of people do that. And they're like, yeah, you know, I am just resting at home, watching TikTok videos all day, which is cool. I mean, that's chill. That's instantaneous gratification. But do you want instantaneous gratification for five minutes? Or do you want instant gratification for years to come? That's the answer that you must answer for yourself. And that's what's going to help you, especially in the long run. Wow. I think that's a great question to to kind of wrap up with and leave everybody with. But do you have any kind of final thoughts or things you want to share, whether it's regarding you and Juan Salting, um, COVID or anything that you really think will hit home for listeners? Yeah. So if you've been affected by COVID-19, whether it's in regards to your offer being rescinded or you're being forelogged, make a LinkedIn post about it. The reason being is if you haven't made a LinkedIn post, you should, because you will realize that so many other people have been affected too as well. And the thing is, you'll be able to network with them too. So be vulnerable about it because you are not alone. Secondly, definitely follow Wonsulting on LinkedIn. You can find us at Wonsulting. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn too as well as Jonathan Javier. Uh, say you sent a personalized invite and also that you heard about me from this podcast. And yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for the future, not only for one salting, but for your podcast as well. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate that. I was going to ask how people can connect with you. 
Um, but then I'll be sure to include all of that in the description as well. Uh, I know you're a busy man, so I, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to be a part of this journey with me and to share your story and share your insights. I think this is really going to hit home with a lot of different people. So Jonathan, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for listening. I would like to extend a huge thank you to everyone that took the time to listen to today's show. As always, all episodes are available on all major podcast streaming platforms, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To stay up to date with us for the latest content and news, please go check out our Instagram at freesolopod.